scripture reading will come from Mark chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could not there do any mighty works, save he laid hands on a few sick folk and healed them. Please be seated. Our series on the book of Mark, entitled Following Jesus Immediately, continues tonight with a lesson from Mark chapter 6, the first half of that chapter. In my lifetime, perhaps no other man has brought more people to the Lord's church than Marshall Keeble. Marshall Keeble was a powerful speaker, a true scholar of God's Word, and a man who deeply loved the Lord's church. But from one of his sermons from about 60, just over 60 years ago, I'm going to share you, with you the words, some words from that sermon. Now, I'm not going to put these words on the PowerPoint for a reason. Because when Brother Marshall Keeble said these words, we didn't have PowerPoint. And I want you to hear these words as his audience heard these words that night. Brother Keeble said this, Some of my greatest joys, some of my greatest joys have come from the words of my fellow brothers and sisters. And some of my deepest hurts, some of my deepest hurts have come from the words of my fellow brothers and sisters. The words of Marshall Keeble. I love the Lord's church in the same way that Brother Keeble loved the Lord's church. And, and I think the Christian life is the only life to live. At the same time, I realize these words are true. Things are said, sometimes by accident, sometimes not. And hurts are the result. And sometimes those hurts go really, really, really deep. We receive disapproval. We receive harsh words. We receive a critical look and we wonder, who signed me up for this? It's kind of like the audience that Mark is writing to. We believe that Mark, based on the, uh, the timeline that we think that he wrote his gospel, we believe that his original audience was likely suffering under Nero's persecutions for their commitment to Christ. And things were being said about them that hurt. And sometimes fellow Christians, to save their own skin, would say things that would hurt. 
Serving the Lord for those first century Christians was much harder than they expected. So Mark shares with them some stories from the life of Jesus to encourage them. In Mark chapter 6, we have three stories right here that I believe will be a source of encouragement for all of us. Let's first read Mark chapter 6, verse 1. He went away from there, and he came to his hometown. Literally, this word hometown means father town. This was the home of his father, Joseph. We would uh, assume very likely that uh, Mary may have also been from, from Nazareth also. And Nazareth, we know Nazareth was a small village. It was like we used to call it, it was a one-horse town. You know, not very big. And in you know, small villages, small towns like this, everybody knows everybody. So he goes back to his hometown and his disciples follow him. In verse 7, he's going to call his 12 apostles. And he's going to send them out on a, on a mission. So he needs to get them ready. Jesus is going back to Nazareth. And he's about to send out two by two his apostles. And they need to have some idea how to minister to a community. Verse number 2. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where? Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hand? Is not this? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? I'll come back to that in just a moment. The son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. They took offense at him. Literally, they stumbled over him. They could not explain him, so they rejected him. They dishonored Jesus. Very likely, Jesus' own relatives, maybe cousins or whatever, and maybe even childhood friends, insulted him. You see it in the questions they ask. They said, Isn't this a carpenter? He's just an old carpenter. In other words, he's nothing special. He's just a common laborer. And isn't this Mary's son? In their culture, you did not refer to someone as the son of a woman. You, you didn't do that. No one ever referred to a man as his mother's son unless you meant it as an insult. Remember Judge Jephthah in Judges chapter 11? He was described as what? The son of a prostitute. That was to put him down. 
They were doing what here? They were accusing Jesus. They were accusing Jesus of having an unknown father and being the son of a supposedly immoral woman. Remember, Mary had come up pregnant. There were still a lot of questions about that. Even now, 30 years later. And people had heard the stories, no doubt. So how does Jesus... Look at verse 4. Verse 4. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives. Maybe he could look out there and see his relatives. And in his own household... And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he, Jesus, marveled because of their unbelief. Only twice in the Gospels does it say that Jesus was amazed. In Luke 7, verse 9, it says that he was amazed at a Roman centurion's great faith. And here he's amazed. He marvels at their lack of faith in him. You know, Jesus... Jesus is amazed at his own relatives and friends' lack of faith, and it prevented him from doing a whole lot of miracles in Nazareth. Not because because their lack of faith limited his power. Jesus' power was never limited. It was because only a few of them had faith to come to Jesus The rest of the people had no respect for him. They insulted him. They dishonored him. And I think that's an important lesson for Jesus' disciples to learn about ministry. And it's an important lesson for you and I to learn when we take a stand. When we take a stand for Christ and seek to serve him, we will be insulted by someone. Maybe out in the community, And a few times it could even be within the family. We will be dishonored and disgraced. And sometimes by those who are closest to us. It happened to Jesus and it will happen to us. A few years ago, in 2009, a study was done regarding 1,200 professors in colleges across our nation. Here's what they found. The vast majority of those 1,200 professors had an extraordinarily strong negative feelings towards students who were religious. A young lady named Julie found that out the hard way. I know Julie. Julie was a student at Arkansas State University. In her freshman year, in one particular class, she was acing the test. You know, every test she took in that class, she had an A. The class, the first tests were, you know, like true and false, multiple choice, uh, short answer, you know, pretty well, you know, those are the kind of, of questions they had. 
She made A's on every test. Here comes the final. The final counted one-third of the total class score. The final was an essay question. And when she got back her essay from the professor, she had a 70 on it. I mean, that's just one point above a D. She wondered why. She started comparing her essay to her friend's essays. And clearly, even they agreed. You know, the, the students who had made C's and B's, they said, well, your essay is, is better than ours. And even some of the people who made an A said, well, your essay is better than ours. What caused the difference? Julie is a very open Christian. She shares her faith with anybody that will listen to her. And that professor didn't like it. And here he had an opportunity to put her down, and he did, by giving her a C on the final, resulting in a B for the course. I'm reminded of a quote from uh, Supreme Court Justice, he's now deceased, Scalia. Here's his quote. God assumed from the beginning, he's speaking to a graduating class at a religious school. God assumed from the beginning that the wise of the world would view Christians as fools. And God has not been disappointed if I brought any message today, it is this. Have the courage to have your wisdom regarded as being stupid. Be fools for Christ. And have the courage to suffer the contempt of our sophisticated world. When we take a stand for Christ and seek to serve Him, we will be ridiculed, we'll be insulted. But dear friends, remember this. Don't let the fear of ridicule stop you from serving Christ. Don't let a concern for what people may say and what people may do, don't let that prevent you from openly following Jesus and showing the difference that Jesus makes in your life. Don't let the fear of rejection stop you from serving Christ either. Because, my friends, we're going to be rejected. If you choose to live for Christ, you'll be turned away. You'll be unwelcomed by some, but don't let that keep you from faithfully serving Him, faithfully following Him. Jesus prepares His disciples to go into the various communities of Galilee. He tells them to expect rejection. Last half of verse 6. And He went about among the villages teaching. And He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take no for their journey, except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. Other words, let the people that you're teaching, 
Let the people that you're helping support you. And wherever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. Let them be your host. And if, if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. When a pious Jew, when he would leave, when he would be forced to enter Gentile territory, let's say he's traveling, and as he left the Gentile territory, he would knock off the dust from his feet as a way to show that he was leaving all that behind. In these Jewish towns of Galilee, if they were ones that rejected the apostles, Here's what the apostles were to do. They were to do the very same thing. Knock off the dust from their sandals. And they would be telling those residents that you are acting just like the pagan Gentiles act. And you say to me, whoa, Michael. Whoa. You mean I might not be accepted in every town? In every school? in every community, in every neighborhood? You mean there might be whole towns that reject me? Yes, Jesus would say, if you're going to serve me as my representative, then you will be rejected. There will be people who will not welcome you into their homes. But that's the price of service. That's the price of doing something significant with your life. Verse number 12. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with all many who were sick and healed them. Despite the rejection, despite the resistance, Despite the refusal, God was using these apostles in a powerful way. But they had to pay a price. The cost of discipleship. In 2002, while serving as a University of Nebraska assistant football coach, Ron Brown, Coach Brown, was denied the head coaching job at Stanford University. What was the reason? Religious beliefs. Coach Brown believes that homosexuality is a sin. He said this, If I'd been discriminated against for being black, they would have never told me that. But they had no problem telling me that they were rejecting me because of my Christian beliefs. Brown also added, the rejection would not silence those beliefs. I don't believe you compromise truth for whatever job. It seems that in our culture today, tolerance extends to everybody but Christians. But that really shouldn't surprise us. Let's look at history. 
1,800 years or so of Hebrew history, capped by a full exposition in Jesus Christ, tells us that God's revelation of Himself, that's Jesus, is rejected far more often than it is accepted. It is dismissed by far more people than embrace it, and has either been attacked or ignored by every major culture or civilization in which it has given its witness. You just name them. From Egypt, fierce Assyria, beautiful Babylon, artistic Greece, political Rome, enlightenment France, Nazi Germany, Renaissance Italy, Marxist Russia, Maos, Maos, China, and Pursuit of Happiness America. The community of God's people has survived in all of these cultures and, and civilizations. But always we have survived as a minority, always marginal to the mainstream, never, never significant in terms of just sheer numbers. My friends... If you want to be popular, don't follow Christ. Young people, if you want to be popular, don't follow Christ. Because you won't be. But, let me tell you this. If you want to do something significant with your life, then serve Him with all your heart and represent Him well wherever He sends you. It could be in your school. It could be in your community. It could be at your job. It could be in our community here. That's the cost of discipleship. You may not be accepted in this world, but in the next, where it counts, there will be many who will welcome you into eternal dwellings. There'll be people that you have influenced by your life, by your decisions, by the way you lived your life, either directly or indirectly, and they will be eternally grateful to you for your witness and service for Jesus. As I've said before, anything worth doing is going to have opposition especially when it comes to serving Christ. So don't let the fear of ridicule stop you from serving Christ. Don't let the fear of rejection stop you from serving Christ. And finally, don't let even the fear of death stop you from serving Christ. Because some who live for Jesus will lose their life. Some will be martyred for their commitment to Jesus. But don't let even that keep you from faithfully serving Him. It didn't stop John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he boldly proclaimed the truth even though he ended up losing his head for it. He told Herod, Herod Antipas, the Herod over Galilee. 
you're wrong in having your brother's wife. He had divorced his wife to marry the wife of his brother Philip. Now there's two Herod Philips, but one of these Herod Philips, his wife had divorced him in order to marry Herod Antipas. And John the Baptist had the gall to tell Herod wrong, that he was disobeying God. And John the Baptist lost his life because of his stand for the truth. And today, many in our world are still losing their lives. This would be in regards to the Christian as a, the wide umbrella. In other words, anybody who says they're a Christian, not just in the church, but everybody here that says they're a Christian. More people have been martyred for Jesus in the past 50 years than in the church's first 300 years. Now, as I said, that applies to everybody, not just the true church, but everybody. But that is significant. More people have been martyred for Jesus in the past 50 years than in the church's first 300 years. Now, that's not really happening in our country yet. But it could. You never know what freedoms might be taken away. One person said this, Christ kept himself from suffering till his hour had come. You know, he would be in a crowd, the, the leadership would try to capture him, he would slip away. But when his hour did come, he met it as a free man. He seized it and he mastered it. At the trial, Jesus was not on the trial. It was everybody else. It was the Jewish leadership. It was Pilate. It was the Roman soldiers. Not Jesus. He was the one in control. Now, we are not Christ, but if we want to be Christians... We must have some share in Christ's large-heartedness by acting with responsibility and in freedom when the hour of danger comes. We must not back down from our Christian principles, even though those principles are going to be drugged through the mud in the years to come. We must boldly stand up for our Christian principles. My dear friends, choose to serve Jesus no matter what happens. Because as believers, we are not victims. We are free in Jesus to do what's right, no matter what the other person says. So don't let ridicule stop you. Don't let rejection stop you, and don't let even death stop you from serving Christ, because in the end, it's the only way to live. And may I add, don't let words ever stop you 
because they're just words. At the very heart of the Christian gospel is a cross, the symbol of suffering and sacrifice, of hurt and pain and humiliation and what? Rejection. I want no part of the Christian message which does not call for me to be involved. I want no part of the Christian message that does not require of me sacrifice. I want no part of the Christian message that takes from me no comfort, that requires of me less than the best I have to give. The duty of a Christian is to be faithful, not popular or even successful. How about you? And how about me? Will we choose to serve Christ or take the easy way out? God has used us. God can use us in powerful ways, but we must be willing to pay the price. That's the cost of being a disciple. Are you a Christian right now? Listen to Jesus, to believe, to repent, to confess and be baptized. Those are the words of Jesus right there, not my words. As a Christian, do you need to seek his forgiveness? 1 John 1, 9. The church stands ready to pray for you and with you. James 5, 16. Are you willing to pay the cost? Are you willing to take that step? Will you please come while we stand and sing for your encouragement? Bring Christ your